0: Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Josh Boykin, and you are listening to another edition of the Intelligame Podcast. This is episode 6, the food episode, which is a slightly different concept and title than we've had for prior episodes, but I'm really excited to be able to bring you this one. We come at you with the Intelligame Podcast every other week, and it gives us an opportunity to have a longer-form discussion about games and the world around us. This particular theme is... Important to, well, all, all of us. We all eat food. And there are any number of ways that food carries a lot of significance in our lives. I personally have always been a fan of mac and cheese, to the point that I've wanted to start a mac and cheese blog for a long time, but that is a completely different story. We all have a particular attachment to food. And food is also a pretty big part of games. I mean, if you think about, like, even in Super Mario, right? Eating the mushrooms, well, you can have a discussion about that, but, but eating mushrooms is a critical part of being able to proceed forward. There are any number of RPGs like Skyrim or other Elder Scrolls games where eating food is directly connected to your health. Now, given in Skyrim, you can eat like 57 loaves of bread, almost instantaneously to try and keep yourself from being mauled by a dragon but food has always had a intimate tie to our lives and the ways that we spend time with each other we share meals together we cook together we have it's just there's no denying the power of food and so I'm really excited to bring this episode to you today because we're gonna have some discussions around food and games. We're gonna lead off with an interview with Sylvie Dow, aka Fluffy Pancake, who is the founder of Player vs. Hunger, a brand new nonprofit that's meant to bring some activation and some energy to the gaming culture to help address issues of food insecurity. Our director's cut is going to be a little bit of a stretch this week, but we're going to discuss delayed gratification, which is very much a component of food and food creation processes, Uh, and we're going to talk about this by flashing back to an article about a board game called Soul Last Days of a Star. Finally, we're going to do our game recommendation, and if you've spent some time doing some multiplayer couch gaming with me, you might be able to see where our game recommendation is going going to have a discussion about Overcooked, which is actually a game that thrives on a lack of delayed gratification, but is still an absolute blast to play. So if you're excited, I'm excited. Let's go ahead and kick the episode off. So I would say that this particular guest host for this episode of the Intel podcast cast has been a long time coming. Like, I've wanted to have you on the show pretty much since the show existed, or at least I found out since I found out about you um, on Twitch, and now you're actually here. Me? Yeah, yeah, you. It's kind of exciting, right? <laughs>
1: It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I figured we would have one of these sit downs eventually um, after, kind of all the conversations we've had in the past. <laughs>
0: um, for folks who have not done a whole bunch of floating around your stream, uh, this week we are talking with Sylvie Dow, aka Fluffy Pancake or Fluffy Pancake XO, depending on which part of the internet you're uh, you're floating around. And
1: exactly, uh, I have many aliases now. <laughs>
0: um, Sylvie is not only an avid Twitch streamer, uh, who has a, a pretty dedicated community on Twitch, uh, but is also now the founder and uh, what, what would be the other title? Founder and founder CEO, and executive C- director?
1: Yeah, CEO is probably yeah. the what I'll be going by the most slash founder. It, it's yeah. something that we're probably going to have to grow into. <laughs> um, it, it's it's i don't know it just seems so much like this power position that i don't know if i'm ready for
0: well i i think that you are completely ready to be the ceo of player versus hunger a nonprofit that is based out of houston texas that intends to plug the gaming community into fundraising opportunities to solve issues of food insecurity which is yeah. an absolutely amazing project
1: thank you thank you
0: yeah, uh, um, and of course ties into this, uh, or really sets uh, this week's theme of food, which is uh, it's a it's a little it's the nouniest theme we've ever had for a uh, for an intelligent podcast. Food is such a such a critical part of the way that we experience life, the way that we share our culture with other people, and even just the the enjoyment that we get, even in games, with food, right? Like when Final Fantasy fifteen dropped, yeah. and everyone was just like, "Did Dude, you see the that soup? Cup,
1: <laughs> that cup of noodle?" It, <laughs> it, it absolutely, I'll have to agree. There's so many dynamics when it just comes to food. Just us needing to sustain off of it and live. Just the, our most basic need is food and water. But it also brings us joy when we like celebrate. Um, food is part of. You know, I don't know about you, but for me, there are so many memories attached to different types of food, depending on, you know, my feelings at that point, whether we're celebrating a birthday or if it's, you know, a sad event that's happened in my life. It's, there's, it's always there. It's fitting. And, you know, it's just my brand, I guess.
0: <laughs> well, why don't we go ahead and start there? Why don't we talk a little bit about uh, how, and and I mean, for folks who are just finding out about you. They don't necessarily understand that even finding out that you are, that like fluffy pancake is not on your birth certificate is pretty significant. So can you, can you kind of give us a, a a little bit of a history of fluffy pancake
1: lesson? Oh, the one oh one in fluffy pancake. I don't know. We should, we should ask IHOP, huh? I think oh. <laughs> that whole debacle. I was a hot mess that entire that entire week. Let <laughs> me tell you, when that announcement happened, that it just felt like everyone was giving up on pancakes, and it's <laughs> they've taken your soul. They've taken it away from me, and I got so many messages going. What are you gonna do? And I'm like, what do you mean? What am I gonna do? It doesn't really change my brand or my gamertag, but. I'll be honest. It, I don't. It was kind of a, a random, a thing. I think most gamer tags or you know named character names. I guess we choose um, to attach to tend to be kind of just in that moment of what isn't taken or what's not, you know, <laughs> what that sure. wasn't what what hasn't been stolen. Um, and it started when I created my character, and I do. I genuinely. Your character for... uh, my character for I'm sorry for Final Fantasy fourteen. Okay, um, I'm a I'm big MMO MMO gal, and I do genuinely like pancakes. A lot of people ask, "Do you even eat pancakes?" Yeah, I, I do genuinely love love a good you know th- short stack of pancakes. Hey. Uh, so that's kind of where that name came from, and and everything just kind of linked to that because I started a Twitter, and uh, that was attached to Final Fantasy XIV at the time, just to kind of put my uh, kind of my in-game in game adventures and screenshots. Uh, online and that eventually evolved when I started streaming. I I only started streaming because my friends wanted to see what I was up to in in Final Fantasy 14. And so I was like, okay, well stream name Fluffy Pancake, you know, XO. Sure. Um I was just Fluffy Pancake in the game itself, no XO. Um, I eventually dropped that for Twitch and it just kind of evolved into this kind of alter ego and twitter and my social media started to become more uh like streaming community based rather than just my character um in the mmo that i was playing
0: so yeah when i first when we first met actually it was me randomly watching one of your streams for power rangers legacy wars oh yeah (laughs) which is this Now it feels like an infuriating 1v1 mobile game, um, which is, I mean, it's an interesting way to kind of find out about your community. What drew me to coming back to your stream was a couple of things. One was that it seemed like you have a pretty dedicated fan base, even though you don't have a webcam. So most people don't even know what you look like, which is a pretty big shift from a lot of... Twitch streamers and the ways that people will focus on sort of having this, um, you know, animated persona and, you know, yeah. all of that kind of thing. Or, you know, there are sometimes people say like, oh, you get a reputation because you're attractive or whatever. Right. Uh, but you've always streamed without a cam. And also, um, I've really enjoyed your community, that people seem to be very positive, really uplifting. Your streams are always... Um, or very frequently are very relaxed, um, and you play some really chill music. Um, tell me a bit about what made you decide to shape your community in that manner.
1: Well, I, I mean, I, I definitely appreciate you saying that because that's exactly my goal. At the beginning of when I started streaming, it, it was, it came together as me just streaming Final Fantasy fourteen for my friends and for it to be a relaxing thing for me where I didn't feel pressured. To have to act a certain way, or you know, pipe something up, and that's where it evolved. And evolved. It's it's a weird way to phrase it because I feel like we've kept that level over time. I mean, you've you've been coming to my streams for quite almost a year now, a year yeah. I think, yeah, a year. year now. And I don't think the atmosphere has changed a whole lot, and that I am so proud of. And the reason I don't, a lot of people will ask why I don't stream with a face cam is I'm just, I'm streaming to just relax and chill with you guys and talk and really unwind for my day. And I know for me personally, I don't think I could be that person with a cam on. It For me, it just would feel... <sighs> I don't, it's not awkward, but it just wouldn't feel that comfortable for me having to have the pressure of, you know, and I guess maybe it's the easy way out. I don't know. Just not having to deal with the pressure of someone going, oh, you look really tired today when maybe I just didn't have any makeup on or, <laughs> you know, or maybe, you know, this has changed in your background and just having to have that um, explanation. And you do. There, There is definitely a pressure and a pressure that I frankly just don't want to deal with when I'm streaming and it works for some people and people do it so well and there are um you know you do it so well you're able to have that that chill atmosphere and and you're streaming with a cam um it's a little different because you know you're not a female streamer
0: yes exactly
1: so you so there there aren't as many expectations laid on you Um, Now that I've been no cam streamer for, you know, pretty much, I mean, all of my streaming career, uh, people don't really ask me anymore. And if I were to implement that now, it's going to be then something that's going to be expected of me. And I don't want to deal with basically people either asking if I decide not to stream that day with a cam or without a cam. It's something I'm not going to put pressure on myself for.
0: There's this common conception that in order for you to and I would call it a misconception that in order for you to be a streamer, you have to do all the things. You have to have yeah. amazing overlays. You have to have a hot, you know, a gorgeous webcam. You have to have a perfect microphone. You have to have a green screen. And realistically, the the key to streaming is uptime. Like it's just streaming. And it's uptime I,
1: and consistency. yeah. Uptime and consistency are probably the biggest things, and for me, my focus has always been community um, and giving people a safe place to come and hang out. And like I said, no one's no one. There's no pressure on anybody. There's no pressure on you. You know, me having to stream with a cam or me having to hype or you know, climb that streamer that streamer ladder to partnership. Um, you know, there's no pressure on the community to have to be there every day. They're there because they want to, and they're there because they want to hang out with the community and be positive and, and we're in a really shitty place. I mean, you know, the world is just not good right now in in a lot of parts. So to be able to break away and be like, you know what? It's not, but I support you. You support me. Like, let's just, let's go. Let's just do this. And be good and be kind, and that's all I ask. That's all I ask of my community, and they've come through time and time again. I don't really know how it happens.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I think you know the one of the places that I would say marked a unnoted noted shift in sort of that activation of community energy um, was the fundraiser that you did post uh, during and post Hurricane Harvey. Uh, you're based out of the Houston, Texas area, which, of course, was hit really hard yeah. by the hurricane, and you coordinated with a number of other streamers in the area to be able to do a fundraiser. Can you talk a little bit about that experience?
1: Sure. Um, with Harvey, it left a literal impact on on the coast. and I'm born and raised um, in Houston, and when that happened, you feel such a sense of seeing all the images and you know the first thing you're worried about really is family and friends and making sure they're all okay and having to go through you know text threads and trying to contact people and not being able to and you're just my my immediate um my immediate thought was like how okay family safe friends are safe I'm in contact with everyone w- what do we do next because you're seeing these images um, of just people losing everything and s- highways are underwater and I didn't know what I could do I couldn't leave my house because the water was was high and I live really close to we're surrounded by bayous he a bayou city so we're surrounded by these many bayous and dams um, that are full of water, um, and they're releasing these dams, increasing the water load on these neighborhoods. So I couldn't oh. get out. Um, I was one of the few. I have no idea how how I, I even, we even managed in this area. I had a little power. Um, I had internet. I had my Wi-Fi still, and I'm like, what can I? Oh, you know, like what what can we do? Um, I talked to. I talked to um, Justin of Stream, Texas, and we were just trying to come up with all these uh, different ideas of, of, of what we can do. And I was like, well, the only thing I can do right now is is stream and, and just connect. And at first, for me, it was like just getting away, you know, being able to just like disconnect. Um, sure. For oh, just away from it, but I was like, I, there, there has to be something else. And I I had done fundraisers before for extra life. And so that was like, okay. I was like, we we need to get some relief. We need to get um, something going. So that's kind of when that stream idea happened to do an actual like direct relief fundraiser um, to be able to because direct relief was starting to bring in like planes and um, medical supplies to help for what was happening, you know, not just here, but Honestly, the surrounding areas were so much worse. So we were actually really blessed in this area to be able to still have our lights on. Yeah. Um, when three, four blocks down and, you know, in other counties were completely underwater, houses underwater. Um, and people were losing their lives and they didn't know where their loved one was. So so that's what I did. I, I turned on, I cranked up OBS and I was like, guys, I was like this is what we're going to do. And and I streamed for a couple of hours and, you know, the, the (laughs) support for the community that came out and they let me tell my story about what I was seeing and what was happening here was, um, it was mind blowing. Um, the next day I I was able to actually get out, you know, we raised a little money. I was able to actually get out. I went to, um, a couple of volunteer areas and, and just tried to find stores and, and we purchased items like diapers and all those little things that, that was needed during the disaster. And what I saw was just so much, um, sadness and, People trying to accept exactly what happened during such a short period of time. Um, people who lost everything and they were with their families begging, fathers just begging me for one diaper um, for for their kids who, I mean, these folks probably have never been in a position like that and now they were trying to process this. So it was quite... Um, uh hard to witness but it definitely lit a fire and I had to come home because we were getting so much more rain and I was like that's it I was like stream texas pancake we're like <laughs> we're going to do this we're going to raise <laughs> a lot of money um and that's when you 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 shouted me out on on one of your um on on your podcast actually to to let to let everyone know that we were doing this which I'm grateful for <laughs> Um, and I booted back up and I mean, it was just donation after donation. And I couldn't, I remember just sobbing and not being able to get through it because it was just, it was such a powerful thing for, for the community to feel what was happening and, and wanting to be active and proactive and not knowing me physically, like I mean, a lot of you don't know me. Um, we'll we'll say IRL, <laughs> but <laughs> but we're willing to to take that step towards just doing the most amazing decent thing possible to help. Um, when when I had this call of action and I didn't even know what what I was doing at the time, so it was a huge turning point for me um, in streaming and what I wanted to get from stream- streaming and what we could do as a community and make an impact so huge and that's when um stream texas gave me the opportunity to both open their 72-hour marathon stream and close which i was completely um humbled by and we you know we raised about we raised over i think twenty thousand dollars during Great that years. stream period. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, no, I mean, that's all the community. That's all the the Texas community, so sh- you know, big shouty to them, but that just shows you the massive impact that gaming communities can make when given the right platforms and um and and giving giving the communities the understanding of, of what's happening because there's a lot of um, yeah, there tends to be a lot of like blind ask out there um mm-hmm. and I hope that makes some sense where
0: well, I guess dive into that blind ask,
1: yeah, so there's a lot of when it comes to this kind of the streaming community, I think and influencers um and not necessarily that it's a um a bad thing, but kind of blind asking to um to donate to, say, a cause or say, like, hey, this is going on without actually bringing any understanding or awareness to what the community is, is uh, donating to or um, or becoming a part of. There's, there's so many amazing causes out there, and um, and I guess what I mean by blind ask is how aware folks are of those causes or how deeply do they follow it afterwards it's it to me it's always important and i think that's a big reason why our community works is it's because it's a very genuine community not to say that there's there's you know everyone who donates money or everyone who supports certain causes are aren't that but we do you do have situations and and I've seen situations where people have come to me and asked or people have said, "Hey, can you support me doing this?" and I'll ask, "Well, well, what's the reason?" because I I love understanding why, you know, I why people are supporting certain things or, you know, fighting for um certain causes. And sometimes there's no explanation. It it's more it ends up being more for the glory than it is actually the cause itself or, or what you're fighting for. So I guess that's that's what I mean in, in situations like that.
0: Sure. So, I mean, this to me, this sounds like sort of the the natural inspiration for what you've put together at, yeah. in Player vs. Hunger. You made your large-scale reveal for Player vs. Hunger on Tuesday. There was a big teaser campaign you ran for it. And folks didn't know what you were going to do. <laughs> Uh, but you finally made your release. Congratulations, by the thank way.
1: Thank you, thank you. Uh,
0: I know that had to be pretty, pretty nerve wracking. Yeah. People will probably already have a rough idea of what's going on, but give us the breakdown. What's Player versus Hunger, and why did you decide to take on the particular issue of food security?
1: Yeah, I. It's. It's it's. First of all, it was really funny hearing some of the because we had a pretty we had like a twelve day countdown. For player versus hunger, and it's a project that you you've known about it for a little longer. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <I've> been, but...
0: <laughs> it's been such a struggle to not talk about it.
1: Yeah. So Josh, yeah, Josh. I came to Josh, um, kind of mid-project almost. I think maybe early spring, because I wanted, uh, you know, I wanted to get your feedback about the project itself and what you felt I might run into. So I, I just, I felt like you were such a good mind to go to, to be like, hey, like, if I came to you with this, <laughs> you know, kind. what what problems do you think I would, you know, what walls do you think I would hit, eh? <laughs> what um, walls would you
0: need to storm? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so, so you've known for about it for a bit. And so we had the countdown and some of the guesses that, I was receiving were so entertaining and amazing. <laughs> um, I, I think I heard like, oh, she's going to announce, uh, face cam was when she was going to announce um, having a boyfriend. And I was like, <laughs> that's so strange that somebody thinks, someone thinks I'd be vain enough to announce, like, make you guys like sit on the edge of your seats to just announce that I have a boyfriend. <laughs> uh, so... But yeah, so we launched. We launched on Tuesday, which was the most most incredible thing. Um, Player versus hunger. We're a nonprofit organization here to give gamers and video game industry professionals a platform and and bring together our 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 communities within gaming to help areas that are struggling with hunger and food insecurity. Now, food insecurity doesn't always necessarily mean that people are starving. We do have those situations in some some of the deep poverty communities that we're going to be in, but it also just means really the se- security of food. Um, for example, having to pay a medical bill or a light bill or purchase a n- nutritious food or you know calorie-dense food for their family that day. Things I think a lot of The working poor deal with. It's not just the homeless, um, it's the working poor. It's moms and dads that are out there working or single moms that are in school and working trying to provide for their family. For the past couple of years, i volunteered with like a kid's delivery food service and to see the need there of just the most basic items like protein items, juice boxes, applesauce, that they were struggling to to deliver to um, these families that had signed up for the program was really, really hard. Yeah, Harvey definitely like turned the light bulb on a little bit for me there. I I never felt like being outside of the gaming industry in a corporate setting was going to be my life. Uh, So I was constantly vision vision boarding um, and like whiteboarding all the time trying to to figure out what would work like what you know like what industry would work with what or you know was I just gonna go to school to code was I gonna become you know a developer you know was I gonna make a video game I didn't know what I was supposed to do um and then one day it just kind of it just it's so cliche but it just clicked that I was like I need to do something impactful and um I need to figure out my mission and take it on. And this had been something that was so close to me. And then after seeing that and then seeing the needs of Harvey, um, just felt like the space I was supposed to, to be in. Um, and then seeing the positivity out of communities doing um, such huge things and huge events and the industry itself is growing and esports is becoming mainstream, felt like the perfect time to launch something like this. Um, and and give people that platform to give back.
0: Well, I mean, and this is something that we've talked about in the IntelliGame community, I mean, pretty much since it started, is this idea of harnessing the power and enthusiasm of games and and pushing it towards something a little more elevated than just... I mean, enjoying games for the sake of games is fantastic, but um, I really appreciate that Player vs. Hunger is specifically targeting... Gamers and the things that we do as gamers interacting as streamers and viewers trying to raise money and effort and awareness for um, some people who are not typically highlighted in the stream space. Um, you know, communities of color, you know, the working poor. Um, Absolutely. Be, being able to shed light there. That's yeah, really awesome.
1: we are. A lot of the communities that we're going to are 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 deep in poverty. Um, and we're going to see a lot of black faces, brown faces, olive faces, and is that, and I, it's hard for me to still say this in 2018, but is that going to be okay? Right. Is that going to be okay, and will we be able to make this successful? That part is important to me. There's um, some of the highest, highest, food insecure areas are in um about four counties in Mississippi that are predominantly black communities. Um it's as I think the numbers that we we saw and when, when we were researching and, and making the calls, about 75% oh my of the communities out there um, are working black families that are struggling to feed their families. That to me is very important to highlight and we did. We It was a discussion that you do have to have because will it hinder our success? But we weren't ready to let that stop us because I feel like there are so many situations now where people are letting things like that stop them. The reception when we launched was so positive that it's – it's such an amazing light on on the organization that i don't think it's going to we're we're just not going to let it to let let it be an issue as heavy a situation as it is we're we're going to try to do our best to be positive about it well and
0: i think that's a, that's a perfect opportunity to talk about uh, your first sort of large scale initial campaign, right? Yeah. Which, um, which I'm really proud to announce IntelliGame is going to be a part of. Um, tell us so a bit. I'm, I'm super stoked. Um, tell, uh, tell us about Share the Sip.
1: So, Share the Sip, Playing for Juice Boxes, is our first event that's attached to the launch of our organization. Play versus Hunger, we aim to be sustainable. All year we, and I, I said this during launch day, right? I was like, this is 365, like forever and ever and ever for me. Yep. Like there's no stopping. Um, so we want to be sustainable all year, but we also want to do uh, quarterly drives on a big scale where we bring a lot of these uh, streamers and um, street streaming communities and maybe game industry people eventually together that may not usually link and, Uh, do something big for for a vetted-out food bank or food pantry. Um, With that, you know, playing for juice boxes was born, um, and this is going to be benefiting – The Houston Food Bank and then the Galveston County Food Bank um, Kids Meals Program, Kids Packs, and Backpack Buddies. They're based out of Texas. Something so simple as just a juice box. Kids Meals themselves, they deliver anywhere from 1,500 to 2,000 juice boxes with their meal kits to kids on a weekly basis. And they can't always provide these. Um, Sometimes they're stretched very thin and sometimes they have to choose between packing Um, in their suite basically this is like their sweet treat is either packing an applesauce or a juice box a child can never get both you know I when we go out and do um, these ride-alongs with kids meals it's definitely it's both heartwarming and heart-wrenching at the same time to see these kids light up when they get fresh fruit, or or just like I said, a juice box because it is their maybe the only treat they're gonna get that day. Um, so it just made sense that our plate for for our first event, we wanted to do something really fun and um, to tie in with back to school and summer. So, you know, our goal is to try to raise thirty thousand juice boxes this summer, starting on our launch date, which is June twelfth. Through August thirty first is basically kind of the end date that we're looking at right now, and being able to mm-hmm. split fifteen thousand to kids meals and fifteen thousands to the Backpack Buddies program. The whole goal of Player versus Hunger, out, outside of what you know we've talked about before, is to really kind of alleviate um, some of the stress these food banks and pantries um have to deal with with having to make these choices. So our yeah. our job is to to lift some of that weight off of them, to be able to financially support them, um research what supplies they may need, stay in contact with them, so they have an open line of communication with us to say, "Hey, gamers, we need some brown bags this week to pack, our, you know, to pack our sandwiches in."
0: That's really cool. And uh we're we're working out the specifics of uh of our stream dates but i would love to see the intelli community pull uh pull together a a nice smooth five thousand juice boxes what so uh that's you didn't have to react like that <laughs> i don't think but uh but yeah i mean we've got we've got all summer
1: yeah no we've got you know it's it's a lot and you know uh some of this response that 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 i've I've received when I'm like yeah where we're, we're going to do we're going to do 30 30,000 juice boxes. 30,000 to me definitely is is not a number that is is beyond reachable for the gaming community.
0: Explain to folks out there what makes this more than just another project. What what takes player versus hunger into that? into that realm of sustainability where it's an organization that can be around forever. Yeah. Though hopefully the issue of hunger isn't around forever.
1: Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Um, so when people ask me, is this just a side project? It's not. It's my livelihood. It's the communities. It's all the other communities that we're going to impact. I don't take this on lightly. We have the paperwork. We've, we're we legally protected. Um, it's something that... Is going to be this force. And. That. That's why it's not just. um, That's why I can't let it be. A small thing. It's scary. Don't get me wrong. It's really scary. But. the, The. Overall vision. I see for like the help. The gaming community can do. Lifts me out of that. Being anxious and nervous and scared about that, believing that this community can rise above like the toxicity of what is you know what we tend to see in like the media about the gaming community, yeah. brings me out of that and like it just snaps me out of it and go you know what, you just gotta go full on full stop.
0: It's very evident, at least to me, um, by watching not only the dedication that you have to the project but also the the follow through, the, I mean, looking at the slide deck, watching the presentation, um, this is very much not, this is not your average project. And I think, I think at least the Intelligame community, though I'm sure it'll stretch beyond that, um, will be really impressed and really happy to see how these results turn out. And again, I'm really, uh, I'm really thankful that you decided to uh, come on the show here and talk about, uh, and talk about the project, especially with this sort of being the the first discussion you've re- you yeah, had uh, it on air about it.
1: This is my very first kind of sit down, really talking more candidly about it. You know, a lot a lot of what we had to deal with during the launch was more high octane, right? It was just like, let's go, let's 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 do this. But being able to like sit down with you and and just talk more openly about maybe my the process and looking a little deeper into player versus hunger and all the things, you know, hopefully that, that we're going to be able to achieve. It's going to start out small, but, you know, with that, there's a lot of accountability in place that to make sure um, everything is, is working correctly. So I thank you for letting me come and chat for sure.
0: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to having you back on, on another episode, but, but we're not done with you yet. Of course. All uh, right. Because, Hit me with it. Yep. So, as any IntelliGame podcast veteran will know, at the end of an interview segment, we ask our interviewee to bless us with an IntelliGame. Right. So what would be your Intelli game? Something that and this doesn't have to be be recent
1: or does it have to be? No,
0: no. It can be from uh, from pretty much wherever. This is a game that either you feel like people should really play this because it'd be significant to them because blank. Or this is a game that was really significant and formative for me because blank. What would be your Intelli game?
1: This is like such an intense it, question. It's I a feel. big question. It's oh, It doesn't man. have to
0: be your definitive Intella game. It could just be an Intella game. Are,
1: are you sure cuz I feel like this is going to be alive on the internet. It'll
0: for exist on the, the internet. Rest of my so career. you better not pick like Flappy Bird unless you were just like I... here's this time well, that Flappy Bird I mean... like changed my life and then I really want to hear that story.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the game that keeps popping into my head is Detroit Become Human. Oh
0: that is a recent pick too
1: and that's a super recent one and that's the one i i've completed most recently and i don't know if i'm choosing that because i looked forward to this title for so long or if there were certain parts and i don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't played <laughs> hashtag it no spoilers. but there yeah hashtag no spoilers but there's definitely certain parts within the game that I feel like I can relate to right now as far as deviating might go. I think it I think it does sit with me because there are parts in the game that that kind of for me, they they hit me a bit hard with like you know kind of piggy going back to what I was saying with with breaking down certain barriers and feeling like you're stuck in a position and going Maybe this is just what I'm supposed to do, and I shouldn't. I shouldn't put my toe out of like I shouldn't cross this line, right? Like I I, I might get hurt. Like something bad might happen. Um, I know
0: that very well.
1: Right, and th- and then making the choice to be like, you know what? As as much pressure is on me right now as heavy as these like this decision to stay within this box feels. You know, that's another very cliche, like, concept, right? But, you know, cliches wouldn't be cliches if they weren't true. <laughs> um, or at least resonant. Yeah. And and maybe that's why I, I feel like that would be my pick is because it's going, it, it's, it's you have to put so much, you have to push back, right? Um, to deviate in this game. And that's not a spoiler. It's staying in the position you're in the right decision. Or is that the one you're told is the less scary decision to make? So I, that's probably why it sits sits with me. Um, yeah. Sure. Maybe that's a better choice than like Stardew.
0: There's there's nothing um, wrong with Stardew. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, there's not. There's don't sue me. There's nothing wrong with Stardew. But you know, and when when I was there when you were playing the demo, Josh, um, yeah, I definitely was kind of like, I feel like I was like. You know the androids, knight in shining armor, kind of defending <laughs> defending this game, but coming from and and I talked about this too, coming from uh, my kind of area of gaming, I I tend to not super have super heavy critiques over over games, and there aren't a lot of um, story driven games that I've really finished. Um, so maybe my outlook on a lot of those is very surface compared, um, compared to others and, and, you know, people, um, you know, within the more, um, I guess the deeper critics in, in the gaming industry. Um, I, and I've mentioned, and I, that's, I think that's exactly one of the points I made that night in, in your chat. I said, maybe I was like, you know, my point is coming from kind of a different perspective because, um, it may not have um, the meat of of a story that um, I think a lot of people wanted, but I I definitely felt that um, I felt parts of the story pretty, you know, pretty deeply from where I was standing.
0: Well, I I very much appreciate the ability to use games to to activate all sorts of different actions. You know, in the IntelliGame community, we have, you know, we use games as an opportunity to spur discussion about social justice and diversity and gender and sexuality and all sorts of different stuff. Um, And having those, having some of those thought exercises is good, but there's also a time for direct action. And I think as you kind of started off near the beginning of this interview, um, it feels like there's really never been... Um, at least for, for our time, um, a stronger need or a stronger time for direct action. And I think that's a big part of why Player versus Hunger is so well-timed. So I am really thankful that you're getting it started, and I'm also really excited to see where Player versus Hunger goes in the future.
1: Thank you. No, I appreciate that. I hope so. I I hope people can see the light in that. And and that's kind of what we're trying to share um, on such kind of like a heavy subject. And like you said, be sustainable. Poverty and hunger, it's not going anywhere. (laughs) We would love it to just be gone, but it's not. And it's going to be a continued issue. And, you know, that's what I appreciate about here and and you and um, what you have going on here, because you don't shy away from those subjects. And it's scary for a lot of people. You know, we, we see we see a lot of, you know, no, please don't talk about this. Please don't talk about that. Let's not get into that discussion right now. But sometimes it's just time to.
0: Well, um, Sylvie, this has been really cool. Uh, it's not so weird calling you Sylvie. Uh- <laughs> weird, right?
1: Like I said, we're going to have to unpack that right. later because I can't hide behind the
0: the, the, the fluffy pancake moniker.
1: The fluffy panic pancake. I'm panicking cake now, <laughs> as my name is now out there.
0: Well, um, Fluff, tell folks where they can find you, where they can find Player versus Hunger, how they can get involved.
1: Yes, yeah, so we have our website is live in all of our social media, which is going to be at Player versus Hunger across the board twitter facebook instagram Um, we also have a twitch channel as well that we're going to be developing and growing over time but the biggest ask is to visit our website playerversushunger.org you can find all the information that you need there um, as well as how to join and become a player yourself and really help us help us in this arena to try to end and drop the percentage of food insecure households everywhere and help us grow so we can help more communities um, over, um, you know, over this time of growth and change for the positive.
0: Yeah. And if folks want to find some of your personal streams, and just kind of you know hang out in the pancake community.
1: Yeah, you can find me over on Twitch at Fluffy Pancake. I recently dropped my XO, so it's just gonna be Twitch TV slash Fluffy Pancake. You can also find me on Twitter, which I'm most active on, at Fluffy Pancake XO. Um, I wasn't really uh, c- that consistent before, um, so so with Player vs. Hunger launching now, definitely a con- a more consistent schedule is going to be coming because we're going to be doing upcoming food drives and and virtual things. And I think folks are just going to want information. So for me to grow, I'm just going to have to be more consistent.
0: Well, Fluff, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing some time with me and with the rest of the Intelligame community. I'm really looking forward to not only seeing just more of your streams, but seeing where Player vs Hunger goes in the future.
1: Me? No, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you to your community. You guys are absolutely amazing
0: It was a little difficult for me to find a piece from the IntelliGame archives for the director's cut I haven't actually written a lot about food and so following today's theme took a little bit of creative work that said I do feel like I found a piece that made me think not only about the actual process of creating food and the time that it takes, but it also draws on something that I really appreciate about Player vs. Hunger and a number of other large-scale projects that are impressive, and that's the ability to do some serious long-term planning. So today, we're going to go through a piece from May of 2016 called When a Civilization's Fate rests on delayed gratification soul last days of a star requires thoughtfulness and an ability to plan long-term skills i realize i don't quite have yet and it's interesting that i'm willing to instantly delve into self-deprecation like this but yeah it'll it's gonna be fine it's gonna be great ask anyone that i play games with and they can tell you that a wide open board freezes me up give me a game of chess or go mid-match, and I make faster decisions and use more concrete strategies. But when playing against an experienced opponent, the game may already be over by the time that point arrives. Soul Last Days of A Star starts similarly. Each player starts with equal resources, a wide open board to build on, and an unknown amount of time until the impending supernova destroys all but the top player. Soul is the kind of game I'm not good at right now, but want to be. The long-term strategy, pacing, and focus required are more than tools for just winning a game. Interestingly, I just ran into the creators of Soul the other day, during a comedy show. Jody was doing a little bit of stand-up comedy, and I actually hadn't seen either of them in a while. Since the writing of this article, I've spent a decent amount of time with them, and they've become friends of mine. So I feel like that's worth discussing up front, but I do still feel like the creation of this article and the things that I wrote about the game stand on their own merit, so just a heads up. Simulations of all kinds, games included, give us the chance to learn about ourselves and the world around us. I talked about this with one of Soul's creators, Jody Sweetman, on a plane to Salt Lake City. We met completely by coincidence, but she's the kind of person who makes you feel like you're at home in an instant and we spent the whole flight talking about games and the influence they've had on our lives. She plays a lot with her partner, Ryan Spangler, and they tend to gravitate towards games that require less luck and more planning and player involvement. It makes sense, then, that Soul works on those same guidelines. With the exception of special power cards gained at random from events triggering in the sun, everything boils down to player choice. The actual final release of Soul had a number of different pieces that weren't here when, uh, when I had written this sort of initial preview. The game went through the Kickstarter process and funded and was successful, but they also came up with a number of different win conditions and modifiers to the game, so you don't have to play it with only one winner. There are a number of different ways to play. You start the game with a mothership, some energy, and sun divers. Ships dispatch from the mothership to build structures, retrieve resources from structures, or gather momentum, aka victory points. Each turn, the mothership continues its orbit around the sun, but the structures stay put, meaning that you won't always be near your own facilities. You can use your opponent's facilities to gather resources, but they may be able to take advantage of a bonus as a result. However, each harvest within the sun potentially causes a solar flare with 13 flares triggering the supernova that ends the game. Depending on the power cards used, and there are tons of options to switch in between each game, players may essentially be working solo, using other players' resources to be successful, or sabotaging opponents to be the one with the most momentum when the Nova arrives. Now, since that discussion, I've played the game at their Kickstarter launch party and taken home a prototype copy for a bit to teach some friends and do some more testing. I still remember my first game though, Jody's friend mopped the floor with me, even though we both learned and played the game for the first time together. The powers we used in game were basic ones to make the game easy to learn, and Cory created a self-perpetuating loop of energy harvesting. Meanwhile, I flopped around, running myself out of various resources and reacting to the problem of the moment. By the time I had any sense of where to go long term, the game was basically over and it's worth noting that Corey also has a history of winning fantasy football leagues for what i expect is a similar ability now this might seem a little far far afield from food but i do think that there are a lot of parallels here though we don't necessarily see a lot of signs of it in our modern economy particularly in first world countries when we have easy access to capital It takes a lot of planning to get food. just the very act of planting and harvesting and taking care of something so that it grows into more than just a seed. I've had a little air plant here at the house, and I remember when it was small enough just to fit in the palm of my hand. And now it's significantly larger. It's not like taking over the house. I haven't given it a space that large enough to grow but still there's an element of time and planning and attention that it takes to even take care of an air plant like i've i've been worried i'm going to kill an air plant <laughs> so the idea of making and creating food involves some of these similar skills and the idea of creating a nonprofit around providing food to those who don't have access to it In order to make a stable long-term resource for those individuals who need the help, I imagine this also takes a similar amount of long-term planning, of commitment, of care. This kind of calculated patience commonly shows itself in life as delayed gratification, or an ability to pass on a short-term gain in anticipation of a more important long-term benefit. For me, doing the quote-unquote right thing and making a difficult choice is easy when the feedback is immediate. Good choices provide instant reinforcement, while bad choices provide me a clearer lens for the next snap decision. Situations that require delayed gratification, however, leave me much more aloof. The gap between the decision and its results often seems to result in compounded consequences, making it harder for me to forgive my own errors. When the moment comes for the next decision, I'm usually too busy grilling myself for past judgments to take full advantage of the new ones in front of me. By the way, I guess this was an opportunity for me to recognize I might have some issues with anxiety. That's it's great to read right here on a page from my past. Uh, <laughs> uh, and by the way, uh, it's it's good to get help or therapy if you have issues with anxiety, depression, or whatnot. I'm very much an advocate for taking care of your mind, as well as your body. Maybe I could have come up with a strategy to beat Cory if I'd kept my head on straight when I realized the error of my former ways, or even just come closer to victory if I'd tried to adapt that strategy as my own. Instead, I mentally punished myself for not seeing the same opportunities for victory, and the supernova vaporized my civilization while Cory's sailed on to the future. Life itself may not offer most of us situations laden with the gravity of saving a civilization, but these style decisions surround us and shape our futures. Overthinking a snap decision can cause problems, absolutely, but the inability to work towards delayed gratification sabotages many of our larger goals. How many New Year's resolutions get discarded or forgotten about by March? Of course, keeping a few extra pounds pales in comparison to sealing the fate of a civilization. But it doesn't take too many steps to see how an inability to work towards delayed gratification leaves us with problems like global warming. Given that's not the only reason for global warming, but I think the point still stands. Soul: Last Days of a Star is a game that I'm not good at, but I'm going to be. Playing Soul itself is fun, with a simple yet deep design, it only takes remembering a few basic rules to play with others and have a great time. Being good at Sol, though, takes skills that I know I still need to find within myself. Skills that will require practice, and likely many more losses. Like I mentioned before, I work best when much of the game board has already been set, but how much better could I be in those situations if I shape the board to my benefit beforehand? Though we don't control much of what happens to us in life, we help shape our own boards through our reactions to what life throws at us, and our choices about what remains important through the chaos. I really, I, again, I know it's kind of strange to think about food in all of this, but as somebody who doesn't do a ton of cooking, I recognize that there's both front-end and back-end work that comes to creating a good meal. Right, so a lot of my friends, they cook frequently. This means that they grocery shop on a regular basis. They sometimes consult recipe books to find out what things they want to put together and plan for. I have some friends who do meal prep, where they take one day a week and put together tons of meals that are supposed to last them the rest of the week. None of these things are particularly impulsive habits. And I think being strategic about what we put into our body is actually a really smart decision, but it's not something that we have an economy that allows us to do impulsively. It's generally very difficult to just be like, yeah, I'm gonna healthily eat through every drive-through and last-minute decision I have to make. The few times that I have tried to cook from a recipe book, I've usually had to drive out to the grocery store that day to buy the multiple items that I did not already have stocked in my kitchen. There's an element of delayed gratification that even just comes from the act of cooking, of being hungry and then not receiving something instantly by going to I don't know, a fast food restaurant. So for those of you who are skilled delayed gratifiers, I applaud you. I will admit that even though I wrote this in 2016, this is still a skill that I'm working towards cultivating. But I believe I'm getting there, and I'm glad that there are folks out there who are figuring this out already because it's really easy to see the positive effects that they have on the world around them, even if it takes us a little bit of time to see what those effects are. This week's game recommendation is one that I can't help but think of when it comes to food and games. If you're up for hot seat multiplayer gaming, Overcooked is something you should look into. It plays up to four people, all combining their efforts to try and get dishes out to customers as quickly as possible. This is a fairly lighthearted kind of cartoon-style game, so you're not going to be putting together massively complicated recipes. What you will be doing is dodging rats who are coming in to steal your ingredients or walking across moving truck beds trying to go from one part of the kitchen to the other, sending various parts of your meals on conveyor belts to your teammates who are in other parts of the kitchen. It's a pretty hectic game, and that's part of what makes it fun. But what makes it feel particularly relevant in this episode is that when you first start playing with other players you don't necessarily have everything put together at the beginning. More often than not, the recipes are fairly simple, but the interactions that you have with each other are fairly complex. And where you end up having trouble is just trying to figure out how to navigate those situations with others. But, like any good meal, once it's had some time to bake, and you've had some time to figure out how the things go together, and that's not to say all good meals are baked, Um. Not, I'm not savvy enough a cook to have an opinion, but once you've had enough time to develop a rhythm with your teammates, the game flows relatively smoothly. It becomes less a matter of trying to put out fires, and more trying to work to your full potential. Each level can award you up to three stars based on your performance, and I usually find that after a few levels playing with friends and figuring out how to do things, it's really hard to move on to the next level without making sure we've gotten that third star. This is very much how I like to approach projects with friends in teams. Oh, wait, that was last episode's theme. But this is very much how I like to approach projects, to find a way to develop a rhythm with each other, and to make something that it turns out we all really enjoy. I'm sure it can be a little peculiar at the beginning, And I think most folks who've done some cooking have had a few bad recipes. But once you get that experience under your belt, once you have a better sense of where you can take risks and where you can go off book a little bit, what you end up developing is a whole lot stronger. So if you're up for spending some quality time getting to know your friends very well, you should play some Overcooked. It's out on PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. That does it for another edition of the IntelliGame podcast. I've been your host, Josh Boykin, and I want to thank Sylvie Dow, aka Fluffy Pancake, for being on the show and telling us about Player vs. Hunger. Again, you can find all the information you need at playervs.Hunger.org. Keep an eye out for more IntelliGame content at IntelliGame.us, and follow us on social media Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Let's IntelliGame. We live stream on Twitch at twitch.tv slash so go ahead and drop us a follow and make sure you enable those notifications. Last but not least, we are going to start doing YouTube content, which I'm really excited about. And special thanks to Adam Garner for suggesting the idea and also doing some video editing. If you want to see the new project, search us on YouTube by typing Intelligame in the search bar, and then hit that subscribe button and the little dingy bell to enable notifications. That helps us out a ton. Anyway, thanks so much for hanging out. We will see you on the next episode of the show. Until then, keep Intelligaming.